welcome to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where you'll hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of how real estate agents overcame challenges and grew their business. Check out the episode notes at crushitinre.com slash podcast. Now here's your host, Lindsay Favaza. Welcome back to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. I am sitting across from the one and only Jocelyn Malkasian. Jocelyn, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I am a huge fan of this podcast, so so excited that you asked me to be on it. Well, we can have a podcast where we talk about agents who crush it in real estate and not have you on it. So it's far overdue, and I'm so glad that we're finally sitting down to do this. Um, so first and foremost, I like to always take it back to the beginning. So I know from your story, because I know you very well, but tell our audience how you first got into real estate and what that transition looked like for you, because I know that you've got a pretty incredible story. Yeah, well, my story is probably similar to a lot of people where real estate wasn't my first career. I was a grad a business management major, and I graduated in 2009. And I was called the curse of the 09 grad. And the reason why was because the financial market completely crashed the fall of 08. So I'm actually studying this in real time my senior year of college uh, as a business management major. That was a lot of fun. Um, so then when I graduated that spring in May, I literally had zero job prospects. I had nowhere to go, nothing to do. So I stayed at the company that I was working at through college, and I was there for a couple years and um, really wasn't seeing any growth, wasn't seeing any change. Switched jobs to a startup where, like most startups, I was promised the sun, the stars, the moon, and they really couldn't deliver back. And I was working really hard. The one thing you'll know about me is that I don't do anything half Hardest working person I know. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it 110%. So the fact that I was working so hard and not having anything to show for it just made made me really doubt and question what I was capable of. And I come from a background where my family is very supportive of me and I'm always doing great and great job and you're going to be this and you're going to be that. So for the first time in my life, I'm not having anything. I'm not having successes. I'm not having anything to look forward to. So I was really having a, um, a soul search moment where I, I knew I needed something else. I knew I wanted to be helping people, making an income that was directly related to how hard I worked. And my husband actually was like, you'd be great at real estate. You love real estate, give it a shot. I would go to open houses for fun, look at real estate for fun, but I never wanted to be in real estate because to me, real estate was the butt of the joke. When you failed at everything else in life, you turned to real estate. So crazy that that was your mindset back then. That was my and mindset And now you're like then. one of the most successful real estate agents in Massachusetts. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but thank you. I mean, I mean you are. <laughs> thank you. So yeah, I um, my husband kept saying you should do it and I, I was totally against it. And he said, hey, do me a favor. I want you to have a, a conversation with Anthony Lamacchio. We're not going in for a job interview. You're not going in for anything. You're going to talk to him. Just talk to him. So I agreed and little old me walks in, meets with Anthony Lamaki and I go, this is not a job interview. This is a conversation. (laughs) You had to set the stage. And Anthony's like, he's probably thinking to himself, Sure. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, she's going to sign up in the next five minutes. (laughs) Exactly. So I met with Anthony and literally just sitting in his office, talking to him about the company that he 
had, the company that he envisioned, because at this point, I mean, I think I was one of 10 agents at the time when Lamarck Realty really first started. This was 2013. This was the fall of 2012 12, when yeah. I met with him. And um, I heard what he was doing. He asked me, why do you feel that real estate's like the butt of the joke? And he's asking me all these questions. And I was giving him my experiences. And he goes, well, I don't know what real estate agents you know. <laughs> but those aren't the real estate agents I know. And that's not the real estate team that I have here at Lamakia. And once I heard that, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, and I got licensed at that very minute. So you had more of like a used car salesman, if you will. Nothing against any used car salesman out there, but there was kind of that like stigma of that. The sleazeball. That it was sleazy. Yeah. And that's, a, you can't see me, but I'm nodding my head in agreement yeah. <laughs> here. But that's exactly how I felt. I felt like they're only looking out for themselves. And if you look at real estate agents in movies and TV shows, they're always a scatterbrain. They're always in like a suit and they're always annoying and nobody ever wants to talk yeah. to them. You're right. Um, the person that helped me buy my house wasn't. We didn't have the best experience, and it's a friend of ours, so I don't want to say anything about it, good, bad, or ugly, but I didn't have, feel like I had the most guidance. And they the, didn't improve your thought of what a real estate agent should be. Exactly. So I knew that I didn't want to be that, and it was oftentimes second, third, fourth career choices, so I felt like, okay, so I failed at everything else, so now I'm settling for real estate, and I didn't want to feel like I was settling, um, but boy, was I wrong. And that is not what real estate is. So yeah, and I'm in so a lot of a lot of people I've talked to, it's actually the opposite. That real estate is their passion career. That they ended up leaving something else because they didn't feel that great about it, and they really ended up in real estate because they loved looking at homes and they loved helping people. And so it's actually like the opposite of what you originally thought. It is well, that's exactly why I did it. When we would go on vacation, or you know, go to the Cape for the summer, whatever it may be, for a weekend for the summer. I wish I could. I summered on. <laughs> the case. Someday, girl. Yeah, someday. <laughs> when we'd go for the weekend, the first thing that I would do is I'd see an open house sign and my husband would be like, oh, here we go. Because I'd be pulling over because I had to see the house. Yeah. So I've always had the passion for it. And I never actually realized when people said, do what you're passionate about. I never thought of real estate as a passion. I just thought it was something fun. And I also never realized that you actually can make a career out of a passion. So there were a lot of light bulbs that went off for Absolutely. me after that meeting. So that meeting was in the fall of 2012. Yep. So your official first year in real estate was 2013. Yep. So take me back. What were your numbers? So in 2013 was my first year of selling and I was exclusively on online leads. At this point, I could not get a family member to want to work with me. And only buyer's agent. Only buyer's agent. So I did not even touch a seller. Uh, the first year in real estate, I sold nine homes, which was just about two and a half million dollars in volume. That Excellent. was year That's one. That's a solid first year too. That's what I thought. Solid first year. <laughs> And then 2014. Yeah, so this is actually a funny story about the first year. So at the time when I started, uh, Lamaki Realty, there was there was a partnership there. So it was Anthony's partner called me, and uh, he said, hey, Joss, how did your first year go? And I go, um, not bad, nine houses, two and a half million in volume. And he goes, okay, well, well, what's your goal for next year? So I very proudly, and so like, here <laughs> I go, I'm going to blow him away. I was like, 12 houses. And... He uses a word I'm not going to use on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that's bleeping pathetic. Get a better goal. 
And I was like, what? Well, you're right. Nine to 12. Now you look back and you're like, yeah. what was I thinking? But at the same time, I didn't have the self-confidence in me that I was of capable of doing more. At Lamarckia, what they really helped me do is they helped me look at the bigger picture and they helped me realize what can I do to grow and that don't really settle for less. Aim for the stars. And if you land on the moon, Great. Great. You're still better than what you planned. Aim for 20 and you can land at 15 yeah. and it's still better than the 12. Yeah. So I always say that they were completely right because yeah. then that next year I sold 25 houses. 25 houses in your f- second year in real estate. And that's buy side only still. Buy side only still. Still was not working with sellers. And I would probably say 98% of those were still online leads and not, not a lot of sphere business at all. Like I said, I had, when you're younger... I was about 25, 26 years old and in an industry that you're just shifting, this is a real significant milestone in people's lives, either buying a home or selling a home. I didn't have very many people that were going to trust me with that because I was so new in the business. And we're still coming out of the recession, right? We really were. We're still somewhat not back to a good market like we are today. Yeah, we still had short sales back then. Yeah, doing 25 in a year like that is still very impressive for your, you know, it's so impressive for your second year. So, all right. So now we've got 2015 to 2017. You're in the 25 to 35 range, correct? Yep. That's what I was doing. Um, wasn't seeing too, I was having growth. I never did worse one year than I did previously. I'd always grown, but I wasn't really growing as much. You weren't doing the nine to 25. Exactly. I wasn't doing the nine to 25 jump. So I, I knew that I had to kick something into gear. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. So then 2019. Now that's a different story. So what did you kick into gear and share with our listeners what your numbers were that year? So in 2019, I sold 56 homes, which was just about $35 million in closed volume that for that year. Amazing. Um, that in 2018, I was really worried and focused on other things. And we'll talk about this a little bit yeah. later, but um, I wasn't having the year that I wanted. So when I sat down at the beginning of December 2018 and I set out my goals for 19, I, what I decided to do is I was going to stop comparing myself to other people. Yep. Stop comparing myself to other agents. Stop looking at what so-and-so down the street was selling. Only you. It's only me. That's all that I can focus on. So what I did was I wrote out, and I'm a big fan. We have um, an online hub, like a cl- client management system. I'm a huge fan of it. But I went back to old school paper and pen. And what I did was I wrote everything out by hand, who I wanted, who was in my pipeline, what my prospects were, what listings I could potentially have but didn't have yet. And I just sat there and I wrote them all out. And I put my head down and just focused on accomplishing these tasks, like sign them up, sign up the listing, put it on the market, get it sold. And I wasn't paying attention to anything else around me. And I'll never forget, Anthony texted me. He was like, hey, do you realize you have 19 houses under agreement right now? I was like, uh, no, actually, I didn't because I wasn't number focused. I wasn't focused on what my numbers were. I wasn't focused on what my volume was. I was just focused on keeping my head down and working and just getting it done. And then all of a sudden you get your head up and you've got 19 under agreement. And I had 19 under agreement. Yeah. So it worked for you. So tell me, um, and that year too, you also were working much more from your sphere, correct? Like you've now started to make that shift. Exactly. So I started making making the shift um, 
probably around like 2018 where I was coming off all online buyer leads, still had some seller leads, but I was really starting to shift because I knew I wanted to grow my sphere business. And for me to maintain the relationships that I wanted to and to maintain the level of customer service I wanted to, I knew I kind of had to let go of something. So my focus really became to shift into uh, working by my sphere and working by referral. And that really came to be in 2019, 2020, and now 2021. So, all right. So 2019, you have 56 and you have 35 million. Yep. Then going into 2020, you ended up finishing that year with 46 and 35 million, which is the same amount of volume as you had from the previous year and slightly less sides. But that means you had a higher price point. Yep. And you also did that in a pandemic year when the whole world shut down. <laughs> so talk to me about that year and what you faced. So 2020, I thought was going to be like my year. I'm hiring an assistant this year. I'm going to grow my business. And then March 2020 came. And I, <laughs> shut down everyone's lives. I don't know if you remember what happened <laughs> <Take it back. laughs> in March 2020. But um, I actually... Truthfully, the way the news was going, I truthfully did not think that we were working again in 2020. Yeah. I thought that we were going to be shut down for the year. Yeah. I did not think that we were going to make any more money. I was even thinking, like, what do I do? Do I go into teaching? Like, <laughs> what can I do with my career? Because I'm not going to be in real estate after this year. I mean, this is where my mind was going. Yeah. Um, but I, what I did, especially the first few weeks of the lockdown, is every single depending on if they were under agreement about to go on market or a buyer searching, I would have set calls with every single one of my clients and I'd give them updates about what are we doing, where we're at and what we're seeing. And this was especially true for the clients that had under agreement because they were worried, like, are we closing this? Yeah. All the worries that you were having, they were having too. Times 10. Yeah. So it was really important for me to just keep my clients calm. And even if I didn't have an answer just to be there and a lot of letting them talk. Um, so that was my 2020. I did end up with less units closed, but my volume stayed the same. Uh, the other thing that happened that year is my income increased tremendously. So even though I had the same sales volume, because at this point now, that shift had really come from leads to sphere business and to referral business, that increased my split levels. So I was making a lot more money and I was like, oh, gee, great. I'm going to sell 10 less units and make a whole lot more money. Let's sit <laughs> yeah, on that Absolutely. <laughs> So that was my 2020. And then 2021. So we have to make sure the listeners know at this point that you are very superstitious. So I'm going to switch my wording to make sure that we don't mess anything up. <laughs> so at the moment, yes, we are in the end of October and you are looking like with everything under agreement that you have at the moment, you will be around 57 transactions potentially um, and 42 million in volume. So definitely another big growth year for you. This was definitely a big growth year for me over last year. Um, and like Lindsay mentioned, I am super <laughs> superstitious. So we got fingers crossed. We're hoping. To me, it is not done until I get the on record message. Yep. I do not count my chickens before they hatch. Under agreements are just under agreements. I, they, I heard someone say the other day, don't smell the roses until it closes. And I really liked that. I I really like that one. So that's exactly <laughs> what I believe. So I don't like to talk about things before they've happened. Yep. So this is assuming I don't do anything else for the rest of the year and assuming everything closes, I'm at about 42 million in volume, which will be um, 
really uh, my flagship year. I've always wanted to close up to 50 million as a goal. I'm not hitting that goal. But again, it's that you're landing closer and closer, landing closer and closer. So better than 35. Absolutely. Awesome. So speaking of the superstitious, when Anthony texted me that 19 under agreement, (laughs) I was like, okay, fine. But then he put it on Facebook. No. (laughs) And it was a closed group. So it wasn't like it was a public group. I texted him back and I said, Mr. Lamarca, if any of these do not close, I am coming to you personally for my commission. (laughs) So how did that work out? Did they all close? I think there was like one that didn't close, but then we put it back under. I don't remember exactly what happened. There was like one. But he didn't have to pay you in commission. And I would never have followed up with that. I mean, he's been my biggest cheerleader since I started here. And he was just trying to like pat me on the back. Yeah, of course. And he doesn't believe in that kind of stuff. No, he doesn't believe in that. And he thinks I'm absolutely insane for believing it. But I do. I don't count it until it's done. Let's take a quick break and hear from Dave Carolee, the master of objection handling, as he teaches you how to overcome buyer and seller concerns. So the question we received is how to respond if a seller says they don't want to sign because they don't want their neighbors to know or whoever else. You know, truth be told, we all know the value in the sign typically is to us, the agent, right? It allows all the neighbors to know that we have the home for sale. How often does a buyer nowadays purchase the home from a sign in the yard? It's very rare. We all know that. They're searching online. They're searching through MLS. So while that's to our own benefit, a lot of times, you know, if you want to push for the sign for your exposure, great. But it's oftentimes a red flag to me because their neighbors are going to find out whether there's a sign in the yard or not. People are going to start driving by the house. People are going to start showing up randomly. A lot of times they'll be dressed in professional clothes. So the neighbors are eventually going to find out that it's happening. You know, we can talk about some strategies to reduce, you know, the amount of of exposure, but the more you reduce the exposure, the less you're going to attract buyers. And ultimately, you know, you may cost them, they may cost themselves some money in the sale. Um, So it's kind of a red flag to, you know, if they don't want to sign, they don't want people knowing they're selling, they're kind of limiting your exposure, their own exposure to the home. So again, this is a discussion for after they're signed up. You obviously want to have the listing in hand, but talk about why, talk about ways to reduce it. And, you know, if they don't really want to sign at the end of the day, I'd rather have a listing without a sign than not have a listing at all. Thanks, Dave. Now let's get back to the show. So tell me about one of the years from 2013 to now, one of the years that you feel like you had some struggles and share with our audience what that struggle was. And maybe it's a couple different times that you had this, but what those struggles were and how you overcame them. So this is a really great question because I want one thing that people don't actually get or understand is that all agents, doesn't matter what level you're at, you're going to have bad times and you're going to have bad years. And they're totally different. And they're totally different. And I have so many agents that come to me and think that everything is rosy all the time. And I'm like, you guys may see like a few closings that I have, but you have no idea how many listings I lost out on. Exactly. How many deals fell through. I'm not going to share that stuff all the time, but this happens to everybody. So two stories that I want to share is one was in 2018. I, I'm Italian. My my, we're from Sicily. My my dad was born in Sicily. So, growing up, we spent a lot of our summers in Sicily. Uh, I was at, I used to go to Sicily every summer of my life or every other year. And there was a period at the, at the beginning of the 2000s, like to 2010, 11, 12, 13. I went to Italy every single summer, and that is my happy place. So you're not summering on the Cape. You're summering in Italy. I'm so that sounds even Sicily. better. Yeah. I mean, when I say, I mean, I'm I'm summering in a small village with like goats and chickens and family. To be fair. Yeah, exactly. And family and the house my dad was born in. 
Um, but yes, Sicily is one of the most incredible places on the planet. And at the point of 2018, I'd been so focused on building my career and building work that I had not been to Italy since 2015. So five years had gone by that I hadn't seen my family, that I hadn't seen friends. And quite frankly, I hadn't had a vacation. So for me, 2018 was like, I'm going to Italy. This is what I'm doing. I'm going in the summer. So I took two weeks and I went to Italy. What I did, I made one of the biggest mistakes you can do as an agent is I purposely tried to slow myself down so that way I could enjoy my vacation. So what ended up happening was, yes, I enjoyed my vacation, but I came back home the end of August 2018 with zero under agreement. I had nothing in my pipeline. At that point, I'd only had 12 million closed. And to make President's Club at Lamarcky Realty, you need 16 million closed. So I was like, how am I going to get 4 million? You probably, because you've taken this quick break, right? I mean, two weeks is like a normal vacation that someone would take in normal life. But in real estate, that's a long time. So now you you probably not only do you not have something under agreement, but you also haven't had conversations necessarily with some of your buyers that you had. Yeah, so I wasn't you prospecting. Pick back up exactly. You have to pick back up. There was no prospecting. There were no calls being made. Um, I was working on my transactions that I had and communicating with clients that needed to be, but I wasn't doing anything more than that. So I came back and I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna get this going? So I'm not sure if any of you were in the business in the fall of 2018 or remember the fall of 2018, but we had a little bit of a slowdown. I think it was like a mid-election year, so it was a little bit of a slowdown. And what I do is, one thing that I do is I really try to focus on education. I'm still learning myself. I don't have all the answers. And the only way that I can continue to improve is to continue to learn. So one of my favorite things to follow is the Crush It page because Anthony's always doing phenomenal updates and I use a lot of that. But I'm also reading a lot of articles. I I have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal. I read Inman. So reading is what I do. What I realized was this is going to be a great fall for buying. Inventory was up. It's a little bit slower. I think interest rates are up a little bit more at that time, if I'm not mistaken, or something was going on. On, but there was a little bit of a shift yep. in the market. I used that collateral, that material that I had in news articles, um, company updates that we had, or Anthony Lamacchia's updates that we had. And I was sending them to every buyer that I had been working with. Inevitably, January, February, March are the time you're going to sign up the most buyer clients. Yep. You're not going to sell all those clients a home, especially the first few months because it's the spring market, it's competitive, but that's when you're going to sign up the most amount of buyers. So naturally by the spring and fall, you're going to have some buyers that fall off. Either they're getting discouraged and they're not finding anything. I called every single buyer that I did not sell a house to and I go, now's the time to buy. You need to find a house between now and say February because that's when the spring market starts back up again. And if you don't want to be stuck in that same multiple offer grind, now's your opportunity to buy. And I would just send them the articles. I would send them the market updates. I would show them the inventory levels about how we had more inventory and inventory was sitting. And I just reached out to every buyer that I didn't sell and just was like, here's the info, here's the info. And they responded. So I needed from September to December, so three months to get them under agreement and closed, I needed four million, but I ended up selling six million in that time period. It's almost like you overcompensated and now you've got all these additional deals that maybe if you hadn't gone to Italy, you may have just kind of gone through the rest of yeah, the year. You don't so know. You, know, you don't know. Exactly. So that's like I'm this fall's actually reminding me a little bit of that fall twenty eighteen as well, where we're actually starting to see properties sit a little bit. We're actually starting to see price adjustments 
a little bit. And these are things we did not see four, five, six months ago in the spring 2021. And you know that that worked for you back then. So you can now grab that out of your playbook. Exactly. So I'm grabbing that out of my playbook. And it is such a great tool. If you're not studying the market and studying market trends, you are doing such a disservice for your clients because you are you are their educator and you are their advisor. You're not a salesperson. You're not there to sell them a house. If they don't like the house, you're not selling it to them. So it's more educating them on when to buy and how to buy. So I've been using that a lot right now. Um, The other thing is I don't always share my personal life and stories because it's some things are just meant to remain private. Um, But I went through probably one of the most trying times of my life in 2020 and it was probably the most difficult year for me personally and I have a lot of people that always ask well you don't have this or you don't have that and I always look at them and I go you don't know what I have yeah and you don't know what I'm dealing with behind closed doors yeah you never know what anyone is dealing with anyone is dealing with so for me I used negative energy that came from that and I converted it to positive energy what I I have and going for me is that I truly love what I do. Like, yeah. I love real estate and I love my clients. So even though I was going through the most difficult time of my life, I showed up with a smile on my face for my clients because some clients knew what I was going through. Not everyone did because it's about them. It's not about me. So I need to show up and be happy. You're getting a house. You're selling a house. And I would show up with a fake smile on my face because I had to put myself in there mentally. But I am telling you within five minutes of being with my clients, it was a real genuine smile. It was genuine happiness of being there. And I really propelled myself to work. And I was like, if I can't control what's happening in my life personally, I can't control what I do in my work life. So I'm going to use this as motivation to not cry, not self pity and wallow, but I'm going to use this to really excel in an area that I know that I can. So I put that energy into my clients and I put that energy into growing my business because I felt so out of control in one aspect that I had to be completely in control in the other. And because of that, I made the president's club at Lamarcky Realty in four and a half months. Yeah. You were the fastest person I think that's ever made it. Yeah. I want to just say that I, I, you know, I know what you're talking about. About. I know, you know, the struggles that you've had. And I can honestly say that some people would look at some of those things and they would go into a hole, right? That, and they would have the right to, right? And people would look at them and say, it makes sense that they'd be in a hole because of X, Y, Z reasons, right? But you can put yourself into a hole or you can put yourself in your energy into something that you're, you love. And it's not necessarily a distraction. It's a good, healthy distraction, I guess, in a way. So I commend you on, you know, realizing that you needed to move forward and, and, do the things that you could control because there's a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily do that. Like you said, you could have folded, you could have gone into a a depression. You could have, any of those things could have happened to you, but you didn't let it. 
think. And, and that is a, a testament to your character. And to the, like I said at the very beginning, you're one of the hardest working people I know. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it just, it shows. So Thank you. And I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, so Lindsay does know the personal issues that I went through because she is a dear friend of mine, even outside of work. Um, but I, I'm very fortunate to be at a brokerage where I had the full support of my company. So if I needed to take the time, I they had me covered if I needed it. And don't get me wrong, I had my moments of depression. Of I had my moments of, of crying. I, I also don't cry to push me to cry. Like, I have to be, like... Things have to be bad. Things are going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. But I had my... And I never cry in public, but I had my <laughs> moments where I... Uh, I let it out and behind closed doors and okay, I can either keep crying or I can push through this. And I chose to push through because I do believe that it is at some point you have to allow yourself the time to mourn and grieve, but you also have to give yourself the opportunity to overcome it. So I'm also the type of person that tries to find the positive in life and look at the blessings that I have outside of the pitfalls that we have because everybody has them. Everybody has and something everyone that has with. a threshold of stress, right? Like something that you went through might not have been as stressful for someone else. Maybe I'm, I doubt that, but I'm yeah. just saying like everyone has like something that to you doesn't stress you out at all might stress someone else out a lot. Right. Yeah. And they've dealt with other situations that don't bother them. So it's like, you never know where that line is for someone. Um, but you gotta, no matter what, you gotta push through, you gotta be able to kind of move on and do the things that you can control. Like you said, Um, I was speaking to an agent yesterday who was having a very similar situation that they've gone through some difficult times and they were able to pull through and they just had to put their work, their energy into their work. And, you know, that's okay. That's okay. I think sometimes people make you feel like you have to grieve or you have to have that time or like, no, take the time. Yeah. Well, no, if, if doing real estate is what makes you happy, then do that and put your, and that's a healthy thing to do. So I'm telling you, Harry Styles and real estate got me through <laughs> one of the it. worst times it. of my life. Um, but what else connects there is um, we had an agent at our company, Meg Martin, and she was just the, the most positive all person have been inspired by her. that I've ever met in my life. Yeah. I mean, she had terminal cancer, joined Lamarck and said, I'm going to make President's Club. And she did it. And I was sitting with her. We were in Aruba on our President's Club. I didn't know this at the time. But now that I know, Megan only had a couple more months left to live. We were on that trip in April and Megan passed. I believe it was in August. August, yeah. So it was just a few months. And I'm sitting... We're sitting on a boat together and we're on a jolly pirate adventure and people are swinging from pirate ropes into the ocean. And she and I are sitting at the bow of the boat having this moment. And she asked me a very personal question and she said, Jocelyn, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't ask this. And if you don't feel comfortable, don't feel obligated to answer. And it was about the same struggles that I went through in 2020. And I told her about it. And I just said, Megan, I have no business, no business saying any of this to you and complaining to you or sharing my grief with you because of what you're going through. And the thing that about Megan that was so amazing is that she said, Jocelyn, I understand what you're going through. And I would be a mess if I were going through what you went through. Absolutely. And that just shows Again, that everybody is different. Everybody's different. Everyone has their different levels of grief and you don't know what people are going through. So in the words of Harry Styles, treat people with kindness. 
I love it. I know. I love it. Thank you, Jocelyn, so much. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And I think that our listeners are going to learn so much from you, and I'm not surprised, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm so happy that you invited me on, and you are one of my heroes. And I can't wait to be on your podcast soon. Yes. So we are going to link that in the show notes so everyone can go and check out. Jocelyn has a podcast as well with another Lamakia agent, Darlene Yumina. So definitely check check that out. out. We'll put the link in the show notes. So again, thank you so much, Jocelyn. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. We hope you've learned some valuable takeaways. Be sure to take action and grow your business. You can check out the episode notes and more content from the show at crushitinre.com slash podcast. And if you like this episode and you'd like to hear more stories, please share with others. Post on social media or leave a rating or review. To catch all the latest from Anthony, you can follow him on Instagram at Crush It In Real Estate on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.